Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 84. It is the last week of October 2021, and... That means a lot of things, uh, but one of the best things that it means is it means that Halloween is right around the corner. Um, it's really one of the best holidays for adults ever, um, and I've said this before. Uh, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know this as a golden rule. If you can, if there is a chance, if you can make it happen in any way, shape, or form, Go as Ric Flair to your Halloween costume party. It will be the best night of your life. You will have an absolute blast and you will likely come home or wake up the next morning hoarse because you won't be able to woo any longer than what you do that entire night. Uh, it's a really good time. I highly recommend it. I hope all of you are able to go out, enjoy, and we've had just such a kind of a uh, cooped up year, I would say, and it feels like for the most part, um, you know, everybody is either vaccinated if they wanted to or understanding that they they need to get a little uh, healthier, and so, you know, they're distancing a little bit, and it feels like the relaxation of some of the tight rules that were early in the year are coming off. Now we'll probably get a little bit more action as we get into fall and winter just because that's what fall and winter does. And guess what? Uh, one of the major things with COVID is being vitamin D deficient. And guess what happens in the wintertime when the sun is not out for very long? We get vitamin D deficient. So Anyway, but try to enjoy Halloween. That will be good. I think uh, I am certainly going to try it and really excited for that. I don't know if I'm going to go as Ric Flair yet, but we'll see. Um, I should probably take my own advice. What else? 
Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, here's so Fauci was Dr. Fauci. Um, this guy who was put us all in lockdown was caught lying under oath in, to Congress about financing the lab work that was ultimately unleashed the Rona. So we got that. I mean, people said that a year and a half ago or laughed at, whatever. Of course, it came true. And it is simply amazing how the rules are being bent to cater to anyone on one side of the agenda. He should literally be tarred and feathered. I mean, and I beg of you this. Do not go down the rabbit hole like I did um, and look at some of the experiments that Dr. Fauci has initiated and funded over the last several years. It will make you sick. Um, he... He's not a good man, and I don't know why he keeps getting put up there as such because it is disgusting some of the stuff that he has financed over the years and wants research done on. Not good at all. Um, what other great news? Oh, yeah, we have some serious inflation coming at us. That is great news, of course. Uh, and this will really be interesting to see what happens over the next six months. Um, some of us are going to be, you know, uh, take that ride, be good. Some of us are going to struggle a little bit. Um, you know, we know that the government is going to fire up that money printer. Actually, the Fed is going to fire up the money printer, and the Gov is just going to take that cash. Um, and they're going to bust out as many Benjamins as they can uh, by you know putting a little OT to the night shift. Um, and that is really not good. That means that hyperinflation is coming here. It's going to be real, and it's going to be here for a while. Essentially, all of your stuff that you own is going to increase in value and the dollars in your pocket are going to buy less each and every week for the next six months or so. So whatever you have in savings, that is going to buy you less in six months. Um, and everything that you own, houses, cars, whatever, all of those are going to get more expensive because they kind of have to because the replacement parts are going to be so expensive. So um, these are seriously interesting times, and I wish every listener out there the absolute best as we all try to figure it out. Um, you know, uh, as we try to figure that out, make our cars better, find time to race cars. I mean, it is all of this stuff is uh, highly interesting, and um, really, uh, you know, I just stuff we got to figure out, just like life. But um, we are going to talk a lot of racing today. There's lots of stuff to talk about. And I have an absolute great guest to bring on. Eddie Banderowitz is your 2021 Midwest Top Sportsman Champion. He comes on and talks with us about his season, about how he got into it, and about what his goals are. So that was a great conversation. I can't wait to share that with you. But uh, the rest of the show is going to be fantastic as well. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heat. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in. Because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put this in the water box and talk about really the only thing we can talk about this week. It was really the talk of drag racing this week. 
the event down at the OG Million, uh, the Million Dollar Race, uh, Randy Folk uh, Productions there, and and really give uh, credit for Randy and those guys for continuing a, a tremendous tradition. Um, that you know, it, it, there are bracket races that pay more. Um, that think that last tally that was the winner paid over just over three hundred thousand dollars to win that bracket race. Um, and there are bracket races that pay more. That said, the tradition, the history with that race, it is it. There's something to it. There is something to for bracket racers that um, that is the race. Much like winning at Indy means a little more. That one means a little more. And man, what uh, they had is another um, event, uh, another controversy. Another thing that happened, and most of you probably know that Hunter Patton got a little upset and um, and put it uh, man uh, put it in the wheels of another driver after the finish line. And to, to the story, the way I understand it is that uh, um, Hunter um, was playing some games on the starting line. Um, his competitor then uh, ignored all that, which is what you're supposed to do as a race car driver, is ignore, you know, catch the other games, ignore them, and run your race. One, after the finish line, uh, put it neutral, gave a few rips to Mr. Patton to let him know that he didn't care for the starting line games. And at that point, then Hunter then proceeded to run into his competitors laying across Cross the median, uh, go into the other lane to try to scare that guy uh, in the shutdown. They're still going, um, it appears, well over 100 miles an hour. So obviously not good. That whole thing um, could have ended much, much worse. And we're all glad that it didn't. Uh, certainly Hunter has earned the reputation as a great, not a good, a great bracket racer. He is... Man, done made a lot of money uh, bracket racing, and certainly as a 26-year-old, um, you know, probably uh, would like to have that one back. I mean, I certainly know things that I did as a 26-year-old that I would like to have back. I'm sure all of you out there that are older than 26 would like to have that things back that you did at that age. And I am sure Hunter Patton is in that group. That was a dangerous ridiculous thing to do i mean we should never ever get in the habit of uh crossing the line and going at our competitor and that um i mean it really uh made my blood boil a little bit i, I will tell you that and because i've accidentally went across the median and i thought i was going to hit my opponent i didn't but i thought and that gave me nightmares so for anybody that's doing that on purpose, um, you know, that uh, just doesn't have any place in our sport for this. And I will tell you that, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot that went on after that. I'm not privy to all the details, but I will say this. I will say that, there, you know, there was a little bit of a, a lie at first saying, hey, my steering shaft broke. And then, you know, that kind of went away. And the truth came out, which was, you know, Hunter apologizing on social media 
and you know that's fine that that's fine um people get upset um ultimately nothing happened so i guess that's good it could have went very much uh worse um had the other driver you know flinched in any way or uh you know wadded those things up it could have been really bad it could have been two very expensive race cars wadded up and people getting injured and not good stuff at all so i don't understand even the philosophy of why anybody would do that or why you would really care if somebody's ripping at you i mean i i get that uh people do that um and in our classes for the most part we don't see that which is great i mean i think our classes um show is high amount of respect and sportsmanship as possible and and I don't I can't even imagine that situation. I think the the weird thing for me is that there were a lot of people, people that I respect defending hunters what I would call a uh half-baked um apology after the fact. I mean, I I don't know that it's half-baked. They it just felt that way and I don't know the kid, so I'm not putting him on trial and by no means do i think a 26 year old should uh have a lifetime sentence um that should not be the end of his career but i was very surprised to see that uh randy folk just let him stage it up the next day without any any issue at all it was just like okay we'll pay your money and you're good to me that sets an incredibly poor precedent especially since you know, we had an uh, issue a couple years ago, um, you know, where Corey Glitty had his issue after the finish line as well. And I think to me, what I hope doesn't happen is, you know, people think that that is yeah, just part of it. Just, I mean, hey, do whatever it takes. Um, you know, that that is going to be, that, that's not going to be a good uh, thing for that race and I, I don't want I don't think anybody wants that race tarnished at all so I was a little surprised at the lack of discipline I was surprised at the the amount of people that were just defending a apology after that uh, you know after an excuse um, and then once the excuse was caught then there was an apology I was a surprised with all of that um, just from the standpoint that we all know how seriously we take this. Certainly, there's a lot of money on the line, um, and you know I wasn't there. I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't making those decisions. That said, that said, it just that I'm really surprised the way all that shook down. That is uh, really when you do something along those lines, when you cross the center line intentionally trying to get at your opponent, that should come with some severe consequences. And, and I'm not sure I understand the promoter's standpoint on that, but um, Randy's been doing it a long time, so you know, he had he had a mentality, um, you know, and probably felt good about his decision. But but from the outside, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And and I hope what happens is Hunter really really thinks about that. And what I hope is that uh, nobody else thinks that's a good idea. Um, you know, I have never thought that staging first, last, whatever it might be, the staging game uh, affected me at all. I mean, I think uh, what I've always decided was that as a driver, I'm going to prepare for all of that stuff. 
And if somebody wants to rip it a little bit after the finish line, you know, I, I've got other things to worry about, which is, which is, uh, what did I do wrong? How do I get better? The other way is I don't even understand ripping it after the finish line. The second I cross the, the finish line and that wind light lights up, I immediately start thinking about what do I have to do to get the car right for the next round of competition? Like I, that's done before I hit the turn. And so I'm not even sure I understand that ripping in, you know, that way. Um, but, uh, it did happen. It was tragedy for the bragging racing world. It was a tragedy for really all of racing because that event means so much to, to a lot of people and really is, you know, was started a lot of this big money bracket race stuff. So I just, um, it's, it's a weird thing that, um, uh, there've been a couple tragedies and, you know, what I would call tragedies are just bizarre situations in the last couple of years. And they've largely gone um, unconsequenced, which is, um, you know, not the way I think any of us really feel like the world should work. So, um, interesting times, uh, we all got through it. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the OG million dollar race later in the show, but, uh, color me incredibly surprised about how the reactions, first of all, the first action by Hunter Patton, and then the reactions to that were, um, he, you know, he'll be just fine. I'm sure we all were as 26 year olds, we make adjustments and get better. Um, it sounds like his competitor is just fine. And so that's a good news. We'll all move forward, but man, uh, very, very surprised about how all that shook down this past weekend. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. Uh, guys, girls, on with us now. He's a four-time Midwest Top Sportsman Champion. He's from Antioch, Illinois. Please welcome to the show, Eddie Banderowitz. Eddie, how are you, my man? Good, good. How are you doing? Well, I'm good, but I am nowhere nearly as good as you are. I mean, you have wrapped up <laughs> the Midwest Top Sportsman Championship for the fourth year in a row. That's amazing, my man. Yeah, honestly, I can't believe it myself. After the the first year was astonishing, and then each year, I just honestly, I, you know, it comes to the last race and every year it's close and somehow we've pulled it off and it, it honestly blows my mind. <laughs> well, it's, it's very, very impressive. And you know, that seem anytime you have a series where someone uh, ultimately ends up hoisting that many championships, you know, our listeners who aren't in the Midwest may not quite understand exactly how tough a crew that group is. Do you want to talk a little bit about the rest of the guys running in your group that, uh, I mean, just to, just so that they understand exactly how tough this show is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we are a local group, so we don't run the divisionals, but I sometimes think, uh, I don't know if it might make it harder. We have a lot of, guys that came from bracket racing or maybe still bracket race a little bit. And, uh, some guys don't, but it brings the whole group together. And I mean, we have some ridiculously tight races, Kurt Frederick, who's won the divisional, uh, championship. I think a couple of times, yep. I know he 
beat me last year at the first race out. I think it was like, I don't know if it was like four ten thousandths of a second or it was just something insane. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then the final race, a couple, um, not the final race, but two, two races before that, the guy against me had like a double of four light and ran his number with an eight. Um, so there's a lot of guys running their numbers. We see a lot of double O lights and it's, uh, I mean, sometimes at the end of the day, I swear it's just luck that yeah. you beat someone like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's literally inches. Yeah. Right. And you're talking about, you know, Kurt Frederick, who, uh, you know, was your former division three, uh, NHRA champion and he runs with you guys uh, routinely so you've got a great group and um, to to come out on top uh, four times um, man in in four consecutive years I mean it's it's you've got to feel a little bit like the Yankees right now oh yeah oh yeah and I know like this year we were down to so there was four racers at the last race that could have taken first like very easily um, so it gets stressful. It's exciting. The nerves are flying. And, uh, I think last year it was the same thing. It's like, it's super close come the last race, um, for the points for the year. And it's, it's exciting. It's challenging. It's fun. And, uh, I can't believe I'm here again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, it's wildly impressive. Um, let's, let's go back though. Let's go way, way back and talk about, uh, how you got involved with the sport of drag racing. I mean, what, what was the first hook? So I actually never did juniors. I never even knew about them. Um, and my dad, as a kid, was into street racing big time. And me and him have an incredible relationship. I mean, it's really like, it's really unbelievable. So growing up, we were always together all the time. And I was into power sports like motocross and snowmobiling. So I liked speed, but I guess we were never huge into cars. Um, he had a, a, an old charger, but that was it. Um, so then as time went on, he got a Demon with a 440 in it, and it was like a street strip car, but that was new to both of us. And we're about 15 minutes south of Great Lakes. So one night we just took it up there, and I was like, well, this is fun. We had an open trailer <laughs> from uh, from landscaping <laughs> that it barely fit on. And we started doing that, and going there at nighttime was awesome. And then we actually got a 57 Bel Air that really didn't fit on the open trailer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, but we, we got it on there somehow, and we were chaining them down with chains, <laughs> which oh, was yeah. just hilarious. And uh, by the time, I think I was like 11 or 12 then, but then when I was 15, I was able to drive the Bel Air, and that was the start of racing. So we started with bracket racing, which was new to us, racing with me and my dad. Uh, we met some friends, the Maliks, and they kind of helped us through everything, honestly. And then it just took off from there. So then he got another car, and then I drove the Bel Air for a while, and then I got the Camaro. I think it was five or six years ago, or even seven years ago. And somehow this top sportsman thing came into play, and it's been our favorite racing that we do all together. Everyone's fun. You're friends with everyone, and it's good competition. And the weekends are great. There's good payouts. Everything about it's a blast. So here we are. And yeah. now we're head over heels with racing equipment. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a bug, right? Like you get it in you and then it's like, all right, that's all she wrote, right? That uh, just hooked you and oh. the all the other stuff goes by the wayside. 
No kidding. No kidding. I can't believe, like, we still have the first trailer we used, which we used for landscape with our company still. And, you know, now you have the motor home and the trailer to fit both cars, and you're like, when? what the heck happened? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It uh, it, it gets, uh, it snowballs pretty quick, right? There's a, it snowballs very quick. Well, tell us a little bit about um, uh, when you, so you, you're, uh, your championship car is a what the '68 Camaro. Tell us about that car. So, I was in college, and for some reason, my dad's like, "Look at this car I found," and it was in Texas, and we're we're up here in northern Illinois, and obviously, I was psyched. Um, they were running; I think they were running Pro Mod with it, and that's you know when you're in bracket racing, seeing a car like that, it's like, oh my god, uh-huh. <laughs> I can't believe it. So he went down there and checked it out and it was a roller and he's like, I think we're going to get this. So he got it. And I came home from school and we put the engine that was in my Bel Air that was running eight nineties in, in October, just to try the car for one weekend at great lakes, uh-huh. which is like so silly, but <laughs> we got it done. We did that. And I was like, well, this is exciting. Um, and then Man, how'd that play out? I think we had a 582 in it for a season, and we just bracket raced with it. And then somehow, I don't even remember, someone told us about the Midwest Top Sportsman and that it was the 799 and quicker thing, and I think we were right on the cusp of that. So we tried it, and it was like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So then we got a 632 motor (laughs) with 12-degree heads, and it's it's plumbed for nitrous, which we haven't used. Um, But, you know, we got into that put that in and that's what i've been running now for three three or four four years i think um and i've kept it that way because it's incredibly consistent yeah i mean it runs it runs its number all day long which is really unbelievable that that's even possible (laughs) yeah no that's so it's a 632 naturally aspirated and and um that series i mean they run some quarter mile, but some eighth mile, mile, right? I mean, it depends on the track and and conditions. Is that correct? Yeah, so we were pretty big in quarter mile when I first started, and then there were some unfortunate incidents at some tracks around mm-hmm. here. And uh, it's pretty much been eighth mile. Route 66 is clo- has been closed. I don't know what they're doing. And that, that was a big quarter mile track, but they're not open. Um, so we've just been doing quarter mile this or eighth mile the last year, maybe two. And uh, honestly, like all the bracket racing around here has gone to eighth mile. So I don't know if that's like the new trend or if it's going to come around, but we take what we can get. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that uh, kind of feels like that's where everybody's going. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, I think we'll be look back on quarter mile racing as kind of a, you know, we're, there's going to be a day when there isn't any more. That's for sure. And I don't know how far down the path that is, but it's uh, it, you can tell the time is coming from that, right? It's, yeah. Uh, the clock is yeah. ticking on uh, on the quarter mile racing, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, but dead cars are getting so fast too. Right. Insane. Right. <laughs> that that's the thing. You almost have to. Yeah. There's a, so many of these tracks that were quarter mile tracks that are converting to eighth mile just because. The cars are fast, and you know, from a safety standpoint, you can't uh, make the track any longer, right? I mean, they really run out of real no, estate or no. something like that. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. part of it for sure. 
Well, who yeah. who builds who builds your motor? And walk us through the drivetrain a little bit. Who builds your motor, and uh, what do you do that maybe is a little bit different than anybody else out there? Uh, so it's a rear Morrison 632. Uh, we had it built locally, but we're finally sending it back to them just because I think they really are the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we've had a few other motors, so we love them. Uh, I'd say, you know, we don't do anything too crazy. My dad's pretty nuts on valve adjustments. So if we have a good weekend, he'll always check them through. Mm-hmm. They don't really move, but it doesn't hurt to check. Uh, I'd say that's something he probably does more than anyone. We just change our springs every year. We do a rebuild every two years. But honestly, the 632 platform has been amazing. And the fact that we don't do a whole lot. (laughs) Um, I change the plugs maybe once or twice a season. And uh, it does its thing. And honestly, I think that's what's so fun about it sometimes is you're not always working on the car. You're out there having fun. Right. I mean, that's that's uh, that's where you want to try to get to, right, is you want to try to have some fun out there. And I think, you know, a lot of times we've all been there. We've all been there where uh, the car is fighting us and, it, you know, the, oh, the yeah. trip home does not feel like uh, much fun at all. We're like, man, what are we doing no. this for? Like, I just broke more stuff and how am I going to pay for it and the whole deal, right, that we've all been there. But if you can get to that point oh, where, have we ever. you know, if you can you – can, get to have some fun man then it then uh, it all kind of makes some sense right and it sounds like that's where you've got here the last couple of years oh yeah yeah i mean we've gone through hell trying to figure things out um on both sides myself and my dad with the most random things breaking that you're always like has anyone else even had this happen <laughs> but someone else out there probably has and we've all had those moments or those years when nothing's working and it all sucks but you uh you make your way through it and then, you know, you hope for the best. So, the, you know, my dad's big on maintenance. Like, we really do do our oil changes probably more than necessary and things like that. And our, I really do think that helps. Um, we always check over everything in winter, and that does help. Um, but you never know what's going to happen. So, Well, I think it's one of those things where if you're even doing something kind of routinely, like checking the oil or changing the oil, right? And and you, I kind of, I kind of put myself in the same categories. I probably overchange the oil, but one of the things I always thought was, if if I'm doing that process, I might see something on the car while I'm doing that 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 I can catch before it becomes an issue, right? Yes, like the. Uh, the oil splash tray, the one time I was draining, the oil starts sticking out of the the oil plug. And it's like, well, thank God we changed the oil today. <laughs> right, right. And you caught that, then you wouldn't have caught that, and it could have become an issue down down the line had you not been doing the maintenance, right? And that uh, Totally. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I see guys like you that are, you know, that win ch- series championships, and I, I – what nobody sees, and I, I can't even pretend to see myself, is how much time in the maintenance uh, world that you guys spend on the cars, making sure they're good enough to race on race day, right? And that's uh, that's what pe- nobody yeah. sees. I mean, nobody sees that. No, <laughs> no, no. And honestly, I have to credit a lot to my dad. He still does a lot of that, and uh, makes sure he he always makes sure everything is the way it's supposed to be, especially over winter time. In mid-season, um, actually talking about maintenance, the last the last race, 
one of the main bolts that holds the engine hob in front was missing. My header bolt fell out. My nitrous, if it backfires, plate was missing a bolt. And, like, something else happened. And I was like, how does this all happen in one day? And you don't notice any of it. Um, So that was insane. Yeah, people don't realize how violent uh, a sport it is. I mean, on the in the car, right? I mean, it's so violent that it rattles bolts out, you know. And that uh, it seems seems hard to believe, right? It's uh, from the average person. It's oh, just let go of the button and go straight. Yep, okay, uh, fair enough. But it's such a violent process that you know um, it will rattle bolts out, and you know, just putting your hands on them, making sure things like that. Um, you know, you catch those before it's, it's so important. It's, it's kind of crazy. You've mentioned your dad a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I think, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do nine to five, because I know it's, it's important for you to race, uh, you know, in that series because it's local or, and you can kind of get yep. there and t- tell us a little bit what you do nine to five. Uh, so it's probably like six to eight. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But then, uh, Right, <laughs> and um, we run a landscape uh, construction company together, and he ran it forever. And I actually went off and did my own thing for a couple of years, and then joined with him, which was never a plan. But uh, we we love it. We work on expanding. We uh, we really work to do some pretty neat things in the landscape world, and uh, it's nice because it does give us the flexibility having our own company to leave when we need to. But we do uh, we do work our lives away in summer, but that gives us the opportunity to do things like this. Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, it's a cool job. I love what I do. Um, my dad's been in it forever. It's nice because we work with people. You know, we do the maintenance side. We do construction things. Um, so I'm in the office, out of the office, helping, like doing all sorts of things. And it's really a. I say I'm fortunate to have the job I am, so it's great. Yeah, have you guys been pretty busy? I mean, over a lot of people, their their worlds changed over the last 18 months. Have you guys stayed pretty busy? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was so nervous. I was ready to go start, like, stocking shelves at Woodman's when COVID <laughs> hit. And then it, <laughs> ended in a, it ended up being insanely busy. Um, and it carried into this year. And, honestly, it's starting to look like it's going to carry into the next year, which was just unbelievable. Um, I think everyone in, like, the construction type, you know, carpentry, housework, outdoor work, whatever, was just, we're so fortunate to be so busy at a time when we all thought we would be dying. Right, so, right. Yeah, a lot uh, of people it's been great. said, now's the time, let's get it done while we can, right, and uh, have it when things open up again. So good for you. I'm uh, glad to hear another person that is, that is staying really busy through this stuff. What, um, yeah. So what um, do you have anything planned for the car over the winter? I mean, do you have any uh, winter upgrades you need to make, or how how does that work? What's the plan for the car uh, the winter, and then next year? What's your schedule next year? So we just sent the engine off to Rear Morrison today just for a rebuild, um, and then it needs a new housing and back. It's uh, it's old mm-hmm. <laughs> and. We've had some issues with that, so hopefully we can get that in there. Um, There's probably some other things that need to be done, but we'll see. They're not essential, I'd say. Um, So we'll see where that gets. Probably need to replace my windows for quite some time, but, you know, (laughs) here we are. Yeah. And then uh, coming into spring, I'm actually 
getting into farming a little bit. Um, I went to school for agriculture, but we'll see how busy that gets me. And we'll for sure always run the Midwest Top Sportsman. And then we do like to do some bracket racing here and there. And we do the, uh, there's a local big bucks race that's 100,000 we try to do. But we'll see. We got to take that stuff as it goes. And no matter what, we make the Midwest Top Sportsman races. And that is our plan once again. Yeah, just just defend your championship like another four years in a row, right? That's all you got to do is just keep, uh, you know, showing up, rocking out, uh, winning championships at the end of the year. It's easy, easy come, right? To be honest, <laughs> I feel like if you get four, you need to have five because five just sounds better. Than right, four. <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you are. Well, that's a real big goal. If nothing else, you are saving. Um, you know, Sean Brady, uh, bounty money, if nothing else. Right. That's uh, <laughs> so, so nicely yeah. done with that. Um, yeah. Good. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, you know, save them a few bucks. That's good. Um, no, that's yeah, for the group. Right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I appreciate you coming on Eddie. I know you, um, are incredibly busy right now. So appreciate your time. Uh, Oh, thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate it. It was awesome to be a part of part of this. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, it's growing. This thing is just keeps growing every week, uh, whether I like it or not. So it's, uh, it's all good. And, has, <laughs> and it is, uh, whether, you know, it's, it's, it's guys like you that people want to hear. So that that's the, the really good stuff. So guys, girls, um, that was your four time in a row Midwest top sportsman champion, Eddie Vanderwitz, if you need him. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs, reach out to Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, we've got some national champions to crown. First of all, in the Midwest Drag Racing Series, Kelvin Brown gets it done on the top sportsman side. Congrats to him for being the top sportsman champion. Michael Chitty was second. And I think that was, um, you know, that series has some real upside. Um, I'm a little surprised, to be fair, that it um, didn't get quite the participation that I thought it might this year. But it does have some real upside when the television comes around there. And uh, Kelvin Brown has certainly shown that he knows what it takes to get it done in that Midwest drag racing series. On the top dragster side, Anita Strasberg gets it done. She is your champion. Chafe Huffman gets second. Uh, but Anita, um, man, going fast, uh, covering a lot of miles, and getting the top dragster championship from Midwest Drag Racing Series. So congrats to both Kelvin Brown and Anita Strasberg for winning those championships in Midwest Drag Racing Series. All right. Also last week, there was some Division Two action in Rockingham. Uh, some light car counts, honestly. Top dragster, 18 cars. Um, you can make of this what you will. 18 in top dragster, 12 in top sportsman. Um, at Rockingham, your number one qualifier was Blake Peevler going 615 at, get this, 201. 
So uh, Blake pulling the shoots early um, in the qualifying ladder and still going number one, um, which is good uh, for him. And we'll hear a little bit more about him in a minute. Of course, you heard him on the show several episodes back. Um, if you have not listened to that one, give it a listen now. That is so great. Um, but the winner in that final at Rockingham on the top dragster side was Jeff Strickland over Blake Peebler. Blake makes it to the final, and that was set up to be a fantastic race. Jeff Strickland, you know, um, is incredibly skilled drag racer. Uh, both Jeff and Blake dialed 617, so that was set up to be a fun final Heads up, uh, but Blake has issues at some point, and Strickland gets his 27th Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally Parks trophy. Um, so nicely done there. Blake obviously wasn't hurt too bad because I do know that his car and rig are set to go to Vegas, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But uh, on the top sportsman side, there were 12 cars. Your number one qualifier, Sandy Wilkins. He goes 632, two at 218 miles an hour, absolutely flying. Uh, but your winner is Scott Underwood over Calvin Snow in the final. Underwood with a reaction time advantage and leads Snow through for the Winlight and the Wally. So congrats to Jeff Strickland and Scott Underwood for getting dubs in Rockingham. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about how the NHRA National Championships break down. So let's start first with top sportsman. Paul Mitos is in the lead. Um, you heard him here last week. So if you have not caught up on them, go check that out. Paul was a great listen, and he is has had a fantastic year. I mean, he's been absolutely amazing. He's got 556 points. Jimmy Lewis sits second. He's a former Supergas World Champ, and he has 535 points. So um, it is 21 points separates them going into the last race of the year. That is the Vegas Divisional. Um, ultimately, if Jimmy Lewis wins the race, he is your top sportsman world champ. I would not put that past him. He's been in this pressure situation before. Um, and that said, there are actually a few other ways this could work out in his favor, but ultimately that's what he needs to do to make this happen. He has to win the event. Um, and also we know that Paul Mitos will be there along with his teammate, uh, trying to muck up that field for Jimmy. So that will be appointment television, uh, in Vegas, um, you know, in the divisional, and I, for one, would love to put a little action on this type of championship uh, coming down to the final race of the year. I mean, this is what it's all about. Both competitors on the same piece of real estate competing to see who is the champ. Nobody is waiting in a, you know, on a recliner halfway across the country watching it on uh, NHRA TV or whatever it might be. They are on the same grounds. They're battling it out. I mean, they might try to find each other early to figure it out and see how that shakes out. We will see. But it is uh, really cool that it's come down to Paul Mitos and Jimmy Lewis, uh, former Supergas World Champion, and won this year's uh, U.S. Nationals champ as well. So uh, that will be interesting on top sportsman side. On the top dragster side, uh, not quite as much drama, but 
man, really interesting. So Blake Peevler, you heard him went to the final here in Rockingham. Now he is loading up his stuff and going from Rockingham to Vegas. You heard him on the show a couple episodes back. Blake Peevler has 578 points and is going to Vegas to try to rack up a few more, make sure that championship is solidly in place. Danny Nelson is done for the year at 565 points. Another strong run uh, for Mr. Danny Nelson. Uh, But a repeat was just not to be had this year. Um, It is just so tough. I mean, Danny Nelson doing it at such a high level and had both eyes this year. Uh, Really incredible. Uh, But he is done for the year at 565 points. The usual suspects sit there as well. Ross Larice sits there. Jeff Strickland, Anthony Bertozzi are all right there behind Blake. But it does appear that they are all tapped out of divisionals left to claim. So um, Blake should not have to deal with any of those guys. Then um, after that, um, there sits Al Peevler in sixth place. Sixth place standing uh, Blake's dad, which I would assume he will be doing everything he can to clear the path for the national championship to come home to only Illinois. So the only thing that would really stand in the way of the white squirrels seeing a world championship trophy is Bradley Johnson sitting at 499 points. He would need lots of help in an amazing weekend, but it is mathematically possible uh, if I've calculated that correctly. Um, So that said, Vegas in two weeks will be fun to watch, and we'll see how that all action shakes out and who is ultimately crowned national champions in both top sportsman and top dragster um, next week um, actually we will uh, i'm going to be traveling so i'm off next week but the following week we will come back and talk about what happened in vegas um, over that final divisional left uh, november 4th through the 7th and we will talk all about your nhra divisional champions of which um There are plenty, and they are wildly deserving. That'll be all in two weeks. Whoa, let's get out of the groove and talk a little no-prep action today. And normally, I am a really a closeted no-prep fan. I think it's pretty awesome what those dudes do. I think... I have a, well, I don't think, I know I have a lot of respect for the guys in the 405 essentially creating an industry and a TV show that is wildly popular and puts drag racing on the cable network. Um, So I give them a lot of credit. What I don't like is the fact that mostly safety equipment is non-existent in that scenario and that it has spawned idiotic things like people going to airports to try to race no prep. And what happened down in Texas this week was really tragic. Uh, Someone, and I I don't know the promoter's name, but I do know that they took their no prep race to an airport, and then they... You know, they did that thing. They obviously did not have a great barrier system in place. And in a tragic turn of events, there was a family there, two little kids 
Uh, car got sideways on the top end, um, and the fans were too close, and it, it ended up killing two uh, two children, injuring, um, I think, killing another adult as well. But the two kids are the ones that really uh, shook me a little bit. Um, you're not going to be shocked to know that it was a Mustang that got out of control and hurt somebody. Uh, that said... What I do know is that this thing of going to airports in drag racing has got to stop. It is idiotic. Now, I know there's this whole thing where these guys with exotic cars go to airports and they, they race there. And, and we know why that happens, right? They do not want to roll up in their $300,000 McLaren and get rolled by somebody in a 76 Nova. They do not want that to happen. So they stay away from drag strips in general terms because uh, the less timing systems there are, the less amount of uh, you know prep and things like that, then the more they can just go on looks and not real performance. So we know why dudes that are rolling in Porsches and McLarens and Lambos, we get that why they go to airports, but it has got to stop. There are over... 400 drag strips in the United States that are active and open. You don't have to go that far to get one. And in that scenario, there is a safe place to race and there's a safe place to watch said race. You do not have to put yourself in harm's way as a fan, nor do you put the fans in harm's way as a driver. And this thing where these dudes go to airports has just got to stop. I mean, of all the things that we need to worry about, um, that is one of them. And really, it should be one of those things that we as an industry rally behind, get these dumb races off airports, uh, get them to the track where we can utilize the technology and the facilities that are there and the timing systems and get them on our page instead of them going and injuring and hurting different people. I, I really don't care that much um, that they're, you know, might hurt some feelings with people who spent a lot of money on their car to look cool and then actually can't get it down the track the same way some guy with a, uh, with a big block and some knowledge of a four link can. That said, um, if it hurts some people's feelings and save some lives, I'm all about it. And it was just tragic to me. It was just tragic to me to see that, you know, some adults took their kids to the drag races for an enjoyable afternoon. And because the promoter didn't set it up correctly, didn't wasn't aware of the danger of what happens on the top end, and the driver, you know, sadly uh, lost control on the top end, because, you know, that's not what that airport is designed for. It's not designed for cars. It's designed for airplanes to take off and leave. So you have the tragedy that happened last weekend, and it is not good. Um, I don't like it because then also then it also comes after us as legit drag racers and puts a black black mark on us. So we've got to convince these people. We've got to convince people that are 
you know, trying to go to these no prep, you know, and I don't have an issue with no prep. Just do it at a drag strip where, you know, there are other safety precautions in place. This thing at the airports has got to stop. And and those guys that go there probably need to be embarrassed by coming to the track a couple times. That's okay by me. Let's save some lives in the process. As we hit the mile per hour cone, let's get back at it. Let's go back to the OG million bracket race, the million dollar race, um, and talk about the winner. Like, let's talk about a good thing now. Let's talk about the winner, Adam Russell, uh, getting it done. He wins over Scotty Richardson in the final. It was, uh, man, high drama in that because uh, Scotty, of course, so, so good. Uh, but has runnered up several times. And so a lot of people were thinking, hey, this is the chance. This is the chance Scotty gets it done. Um, but Adam Russell had other plans. And here's what's the beauty about Adam Russell and why we had to talk about this on the Fast Brackets podcast. Adam running a blown alcohol dragster is dialed 433 all day long and went the uh, 10 rounds or whatever it was uh, to win the million dollar race going 433. So I believe, and I haven't confirmed this, maybe somebody can for me, but I believe that is the fastest dial in ever to win that bracket race or any high dollar bracket race um, per se. And now maybe there's been some 50s or whatever, but in terms of anything over $100,000 to the winner, I believe that is the fastest dialed bracket race um, winner of all time. And so that is really cool. Um, My man is dialed 433, something that would get you in um, most of the way well, yeah, I'd be right there and get you in most of the PDRA 32 top dragster fields right in there. And, uh, you know, what a great pass that is. I mean, uh, that's, that's a really nice pass and especially for a bracket car to go that many rounds and to be just so deadly to get it done and doing it against the best of the best. You've got to tip your hat. You've got to give it up. For Adam Russell, the 26th original or 26th million dollar race winner in history and, uh, you know, going four thirties all night long to get it done. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. There it is, guys, girls. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 84. There it is. There's the wind light and the sweet, sweet sounds of Gloria. And I will say this. I love this song. And you guys know what it means. And or if you don't, if you're new to the show, you'll go back to episode number nine and check that out. But the reality is this. Um, we've lost a lot of uh, people in the industry in the racing world here this week, and we lost another one this week. Um, sadly, Dylan Cromwell of the Jim Head uh, team was in an accident coming back, and just incredibly sad. Um, so, for those of you that knew Dylan, um, you know, 
man, my heart goes out to you because we've just lost a lot of people. And so I have this feeling in my head that maybe there should be on uh, something, maybe the theme song could be changed just a little bit and talk about more, have a feeling of, hey, we better get to it while we can. Better get to doing it because tomorrow is promised to no one. So if there's a song that uh, you think I should be thinking about, make sure I know about it. Um, but we did have a good week. We had another good week. Um, hey, we had Eddie Benderowitz on. He is your four-time Midwest Top Sportsman Champion. And I mean four times in a row, just dominating an incredible series too. So nicely done, Eddie, and thank you for coming on. But if you have comments, questions, curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. You can hit me up on the Facebook page using the Messenger app. You can probably find me screaming at someone that's trying to race on an airport. And you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. First of all, what a tragedy, right? I mean, uh, tragedy. And I always feel that way anytime kids are involved with something awful. Um, you know, our, our kids die, uh, have fatal illnesses, whatever. But, I mean, folks, there are almost 400 legit drag strips in the United States. Like, we can use them. We need to use them. My goodness, Chris, you're, you're so right. You're absolutely so right. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal. Deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, Think AFCO Racing Products.